hand. Turn around and say hello to someone, then be seated. All right. All right. Thank you. You may be seated. God bless you. And it's good to be out tonight in the house of the Lord. This morning I neglected to say anything about our 17th year of Bible Institute, which will launch this coming, this next Saturday, September the 10th, from 3 until 6 p.m. Let's everybody tune in. Don't forget it. Ask somebody else to tune in as well. And uh, we'll all be on online, uh, YouTube, of course, and you can see where it is. It'll be, it'll be saying live, a live production, but it'll be on YouTube for you. This morning also we mentioned Ray Gonzalez and the special need. Praise the Lord. God answered your prayers that went around the world and reached the Father. And uh, all of those uh, soul winning materials were released. But we are sending on Tuesday uh, a check. We trust a sizable check as a love offering to Ray Gonzalez. Amazing Grace Mission uh, down in uh, Central American Managua. As we speak, give a Christmas gift to Jesus, and we're doing that in installments between now and the end of the year. I'm glad for people that took those envelopes this morning and are starting already to do this. Praise the Lord. We all have bulletins. If you haven't got one, you can get one in the back, or those of you online can scroll down, and uh, you can get a copy of our special edition on the subject of laboring fervently in prayers. What a great, great thought from the Word of God. We take no credit for any of that. It is so important that we love the Lord. The reason we should love Him, as we have already stated, because He first loved us. But that love wherewith He loved us is the prime ingredient, the enablement, if you want to say it that way, for us to obey the Lord and to serve Him effectively. It's the prime ingredient for us to pray and to labor in prayer fervently. It is the prime ingredient for us to do all to the glory of God that needs to be done. And I want us to surpass the, the mere uh, qualifications of duty and go beyond that to service from a heart of love. We're not singing it tonight, but that great song that's made its way into our silver hymnal by Bill and Gloria Gaither. I will serve thee because I love thee. You have given life to me. I was nothing before you found me. You have given life to me. Heartaches, broken pieces, ruined lives are why you died on Calvary. Your touch just think about that touch, was what I longed for. You have given life to me. I've got my hand raised already because here's the question. How many of you needed that touch from the Lord, that reminder, that personal reminder that God loves you and He never gives up on you, never quits? He, he gives you everything you need. It supplies all of your need according to His riches and glory. How many of you needed that touch this week? Amen, and we got it, didn't we? And God brought us through. Amen and amen. What a blessing. And when God brings you through something, He doesn't just bring you through, you know, and that's it. He always 
gives you extra bonus blessings. Aren't you glad for that? Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Also, I'd like you tonight to turn to Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's Gospel. And I want to remind you of what Jesus said when He was under pressure. He's being tempted or tested in the Scriptures here. Matthew's Gospel, the 22nd chapter. And it says in verse 34, But when the Pharisees... Now the Pharisees were that sect that added to Scripture. They, added, they, they took the Old Testament uh, literally, which is not a bad thing, but then they added a bunch to it. So they had tradition. The Pharisees had heard that he had put, that Jesus had put the Sadducees to silence. Now the Sadducees were the liberals of the day. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe in heaven. They didn't believe in the supernatural. So it says, but when the Pharisees, that's one sect, heard that he, Jesus, had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. It's like this. Well, they couldn't do it, but we can. And so they're working themselves up in all of their uh, unsaved and carnal strength. Then one of them, one of the Pharisees, which was a lawyer, a, a, a legal mind, having to do with the, the scriptural laws and rules, asked him a question tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, now get this, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Now where did he get that from? He didn't just make it up in Matthew's Gospel, the 22nd chapter. He's quoting Deuteronomy, his Bible. And we know that throughout the scriptures, this comes across in various forms, but simply stated, he's saying we need to love God totally with our complete selves. We need to totally love Him. And love means sacrifice. Love means giving up. Love means allowing Him to have His way. He says in verse 38, this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. And they go together. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then he says this, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now I'm going to teach you something tonight if you haven't heard this already. The Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, which you find in Exodus chapter 20 and then over in Deuteronomy also, it's divided. The first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. The last six commandments have to do with our relationship with each other. So the first four have to do with loving God, and you can summarize it. You can, I mean, you can get right to the meat, the core of the meaning here. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all, with all thy mind. Now you can go back to Exodus 20, read those first four commandments. But if you get this right over here, as it's quoted in Matthew 22 from Deuteronomy, you, you understand the essence of what those commandments are all about. Loving, committing, surrendering to God. And then the last six are summarized by loving thy neighbor as thyself. If we get this right, we get it all right. Obviously, no human being other than Jesus Christ ever completely kept the Ten Commandments all the time. 
And because we've broken one commandment, what do we read? We are guilty of all. That's right. That's, that's right. So when we speak about loving God and loving our neighbor, this is really the basis of everything that we do in obedience to God. And without that, our service, our obedience is a hollow shell. I want you to know that. We're talking about mere duty. We're talking about that which has no heart to it. I guess that's what we could have subtitled this message tonight. We could have said service, hollow service, or service without a heart. But it has to come from the heart. There it is. It has to come from the heart. Go over to Hebrews chapter 6, and we will pose a question tonight and give you the actual title of this message. Hebrews chapter 6, beginning at verse number 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. There it is. Which ye have showed toward His name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. That means to serve. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And uh, we read on, and if you read on down through verse 20, uh, you will understand the entire context. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability, the unchangeableness of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the, the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I want to pose a question to you based on a phrase in verse number 10. What exactly is your labor of love? What is your labor of love? We sang, oh, how I love Jesus. But I want to ask you right now, surpassing any mere duty, I'm talking about just doing the minimum. What do you do from the heart? What burns within you? Or what should be burning within you? What should be motivating you if it's not? What should be driving you? What desire or passion should be stirring you to godly service from the heart? That's what this is about. This is about doing what we do, not because it is the mere minimum. If you've ever had people work under you, or with you, or for you, and they only do just the bare minimum. There's nothing you can really call them on, but they don't have their heart in it. I've met a lot of Christians today that if I had to, to determine, if I had to make a determination 
on their job performance, let's just call it that, their service for God, I would say they're hollow. They're not doing it from the heart. They're just going through the motions. They're just putting in their time, punching a time card, doing the bare minimum. We think about work. We think about that which is done today. There are people who work harder at their secular job for a paycheck than they do for Jesus Christ, which ought to be from the heart. If you don't believe it, see who, who lays out of church so that they can go to work on Monday. See who rests up so they can go earn their dollar or whatever it is they earn instead of serving Jesus faithfully. I know we've made it easier by broadcasting, and I'm not against the broadcast. We picked up uh, multiplied numbers of folks as a result of the broadcast. Praise the Lord. Many have discovered the truth through our broadcast, and I praise God for those that are involved in our broadcast. But how many folks have neglected the house of God, but they won't, they, I mean, they'll do everything else so they won't have to miss work. It was Jesus who said in John chapter 6, He said, labor not for the meat that perisheth, but for that which shall endure. It was after He had fed the 5,000 and the crowds had come to Him at Capernaum. They were looking for freebies, for entertainments, and Jesus Christ was not seeking the popularity that could be gained from man. He was not looking for material gain, but rather he was looking to grant spiritual nourishment, that which was of eternal value. Man shall not live by bread alone, he said in the temptation in the wilderness, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We have in Scripture a passage that absolutely nails this principle. It's found in Luke's Gospel, the 17th chapter. And I know we've been all over the Bible already, but it's okay. It's Sunday night, right? Amen. It's a holiday weekend. Amen. Preacher can preach on. Now it's getting quiet. Okay, all right. Luke chapter 17, look at verse number 7. Luke 17 and verse 7, But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, Go and sit down to meet, and will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow, or I think not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Someone has well summed this up by saying, in doing what we ought, we deserve no praise because it is our duty. And I think that's true. I think that's true. Now, we like to encourage our kids, our grandkids as they're coming up. But, you know, I mean, if they breathe, we give them applause. I mean, we've gone overboard. And you know what? It's important that they understand in a real world, in a real world situation, there are some things that we just do because they're right. But it deserves no reward. It's just what we do. It is 
duty. It is duty. It has been well said, there will always be work. And work will always be there for us to do. We have been made for the work. The work has been made for us. It is part of the plan. It is what it is. And people should not become overly exercised because there is work. We've been taught in recent months and years in the United States of America that people can stay home and live and live better in terms of what the government doles out than if they actually went to work and worked uh, at a low-paying job but had the dignity and the knowledge that they had done something. When the crash comes, if and when it comes, they're going to have a real rude awakening. They're going to be, I don't know how many million people in the streets screaming for their check, and there won't be any more checks because there won't be any more money because it's gone. And labor for that which is necessary is its own reward because God made us for that. He wired us for that. It is unnatural for people to allow their old nature to, to keep them from doing that which is right, and they become lazy, and then the government or whoever rewards them for doing nothing. Duty would come under the category of all of us were created to do things, to accomplish things, to be, to be the worker that uh, we were created to be, and to know at the end of the day, what's 